Welcome to another Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we're going to be covering all of the information that came out of the latest second episode of the official Sea of Thieves podcast. Not mine, but the official rare one. And we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that, uh, as a result of that podcast, touched on some of the community issues that have been going around with the game lately, as well as potential ban issues that you might want to worry about. All that and more in this week's episode of Keel Hauled Podcast. But before we get into that, I want to make sure I call out the patrons because they are the ones that are supporting the podcast. So thank you to Chateau Neuf, Cosmic Johnson, El Jefe Esteban, Lumpy SRQ, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Regis Stella, Rust Bell Kid, TN Professor, Todd Meister, Big Bad Pad, Mina Ferry, CJ, Davram TV, Fergatron, Captain Chaos, Kazia the Rogue, Mike X, or excuse me, Xbox Mike 29. I don't know why I always mess up your name, Mike. I'm sorry. Tech Deku, Windsor Chris, Bentley Beaver, Bren, and Zam. Wow. Thank you all so much for your continued support. Remember, there is the episode at the end of the month for the uh, gold hoarders that are going to be talking about whatever they want to talk about. So if you're interested in finding out more about how to become a patron, that's easy. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash keelhod podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to join the Discord or message me at CAPT underscore L O G U N on Twitter or email me at CAPT L O G U N at gmail.com. And pirates, with that, let's get into the episode. Because, uh, boy, wow. There, there was a lot to cover with this Sea of Thieves episode. It was an hour long, and I'm going to be perfectly honest. There was some good information in here, but not. I, I don't think it was a lot of information that we didn't already know. This was more or less just a lot of reiteration. And some of the main things that I wanted to talk about was some of the conspiracy, uh, or not conspiracies, but controversies that came out as a result of this. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the blue chicken. Let's be honest, because... Twitter went out and Sea of Thieves posted an image and the image was nothing too major. It was basically just them sharing some of the photos that they have in the past. Now, this isn't the favorite cursed cannonball tweet, which had the uh, cursed ruin sprinkled along the uh, cursed cannonballs in the image there. No, this actually dealt with the hashtag be more pirate. Now, this is something that they actually started back in 2017. And it's something that they used to try and promote stuff that was going to be more pirate because up until this point, there wasn't really too much in the in the pirate game aspect uh, themes, you know, not too many people were actually being able to uh, get piratey feelings out of games, you know, you really had like Assassin's Creed Black Flag, and that was kind of the hallmark of that genre. So hashtag be more pirate was our way of being able to do that. Now, in this photo, I don't know why, but there are three pirates. One's running away with a captain's chest. One is guarding a captain's chest with some uh, loot, firing at some skeletons that are chasing uh, this other pirate on, uh, what is this, Crescent Isle? And there's two chickens that are in the shot. One of them is just a uh, standard red and white chicken, looks like Larry, just kind of running along. The other one, though, is blue or purple. I guess it doesn't really matter what you think it is. It is definitely uh, one that looks like it should be one of the black chickens. Now, I don't know what kind of treatments they did on this image. They very well could have done a number of color treatments on this 
and it just turned out looking blue. But it's definitely brought a lot of uh, conversation around the blue chicken. Why don't we have blue chickens in Sea of Thieves? If, if this is what we could have, why not bring them to them? And it kind of brings into question a lot of the, uh, the the silliness that goes on with Sea of Thieves because this wasn't the only controversial thing. Now, when I was talking with some friends uh, this weekend, we were watching Pirates of the Caribbean 2 in the Discord. Uh, we were just kind of hanging out, having fun. And it was actually Xbox Mike 29 from the, uh, from the Patreon group who brought up the fact that there used to be a very elaborate bone uh, black coat in hat in uh, one of the shops in Sea of Thieves. And that shop no longer has that cosmetic in the game. And this was kind of weird because we have had this cosmetic in the game since the launch. And many people have asked, why don't we have this cosmetic available for us? And I wonder, and I believe it was Caleb that actually brought this up when we were watching the show. I wonder if that's because this was an item that was not purchasable for pirates it was something that was just there for aesthetics and it was a bummer because at the time we didn't really have anything that cool it really wasn't until some of the later events in that first year that introduced some new cosmetics that actually did kind of hearken to some of those cool aesthetics that we were looking at so looking at this jacket and now having it being gone for a while because i don't know if anyone actually mentioned or noticed that this was gone this is the first time we've kind of noticed that it is gone and it makes me wonder if they are removing things from the game. This is Caleb's idea, remember, uh, that people can't purchase. If they're specifically making it so that you don't walk into a shop, see something on a mannequin and wonder how come they can't purchase that, which is, is a, it's a good theory. I think it doesn't really fall in line with the way that most people want cosmetics to play out as something that's a limited time that is exclusive to the event that they earned it from and make it something that is more unique, more valuable to them. I think a lot of pl players that do hold to that type of uh, mindset tend to like things like that and, and don't mind if things can't be earned later on, which is, is, a personal choice, a very personal choice, especially in a game that's derived around cosmetics as the the goal beyond just the uh, fun of the game itself. And I had an idea. And with talking with the uh, the Discord group, we kind of workshopped the idea. But I was thinking about how the mannequin could be a representation of items that are currently on sale, cosmetics that are currently on sale. And that's something that we don't really have in Sea of Thieves. In fact, a lot of the items in Sea of Thieves have their base cost and they, those do not change unless rare actually goes in and changes the cosmetics for the entire line of that cosmetic uh, they have done this in the past back when curse sales came out i believe they actually reduced the cost of a lot of cosmetics because of the influx of skeletons that were now attacking outposts uh, shipwrights and um and cosmetic owners were looking to move their wares quicker because they were scared of what was going to happen so they reduced the cost of those that's uh, kind of an old story but with this mannequin uh there's one in every clothing shop you can take a look at it it's always to the right of the door just as you walk in i think it would be really interesting if we had those as uh cosmetics that displayed and changed every cycle that they introduced a new update and it would show you the cosmetics that are on sale not like s-a-i-l obviously s-a-l-e in this case and I think it'd be really nice because in the in, in, in the game right now, you have C posts and C posts are the only way that you can get 
cosmetics at a discount, but nowhere in the actual game is that expressed. No one actually tells you in game uh, that there is a place where you can go to buy cosmetics for less than the standard shop cost, which to me doesn't make sense from an in-game perspective. Now, obviously the reason why these, co why these cosmetics are cheaper there has to deal with uh, the hunter's call. And this ties back to when the hunter call, hunter's call was introduced, they had sea posts out in the different seas. In fact, they had two per sea, so there should be eight total. And of these eight sea posts, each of them was uh, designated to have a shopkeep as well as a few barrels and then one of Merrick's family as the turn-in point, the access point for delivering fish and meat of different animals as well as monsters and of course fish. And the drive to push people to sea posts was the interest uh, of, of being able to turn in whatever kind of meat that you had, obviously for the hunter's call, but also to go check out what cosmetics were going to be on sale. Now, nowadays, it doesn't feel like that is quite the emphasis of what sea posts are. And I still maintain that sea posts ought to be shipwrecks, that those would be more interesting for me because not only could you potentially find loot in those, but they also serve well to show like shipwrecks, uh, like the killer whale that fall more thematically in line with the hunter's call. All of, uh, uh, Merrick's ship has been reused to create the Reaper's bones hideout, but Merrick's ship was the killer whale that was beached at that island because of the Megalodon. And it makes sense that given that the nature of Merrick's family were all hunters of the, uh, the monsters in Sea of Thieves, well, why not put them on sea posts that are made up of shipwrecks, a la the arena? Now, that obviously would probably cause a lot more uh, strain on the system because the, those ships are very large and costly to put in the game. Obviously, shipwrecks are, have their own thing, which is probably why we haven't seen a brig or a sloop shipwreck, something that has still kind of been desired by part of the community, hopefully in the sense that we would get something uh, like those to, to venture into beyond just the huge galleons that are in there. Now, unfortunately, that would be a lot of implementation because there's a lot of stuff that goes on with shipwrecks as far as the barrels that have loot in them or, or uh, you know, fish and supplies in them, but also the loot that spawns inside these shipwrecks and the placements for all of the uh, reapers chests and reapers bounties. So it's going to take some time to switch those out if they were to do something like that. That also brings me to the sea posts, removing the sea post vendor, which is also tough because you have a tall tale that's actually tied to the North Star sea post. So the likelihood of something like this happening is pretty slim, especially based on the design of what they've done with these sea posts. But what I would like to have is cosmetics that are available through the merchants on outposts displayed with items that are at a discount on those mannequins or on the table. So as soon as you walk in, it's something to check for. You know, you could go in and if you don't have all of the cosmetics, you could see immediately, is there something on the mannequin that looks cool that is at a discount that I can then buy? And that's going to incentivize pirates to say like, I want to make sure that I check each update to see if there's something that I've had my eye on, but have been waiting to see if it's on sale. And if that's the case, then that kind of drives engagement. And I kind of like the idea of that because that's 
the goal of what Rare wants. They want continued engagement each update. So looking through my notes, there is a lot here that I wrote down uh, that I will hopefully cover based on the latest uh, Sea of Thieves podcast. Uh, first and foremost, shout out to Eric, who's a pretty little little cat from Christina. She's the uh, uh, Sea of Thieves media head. She's a social media manager um, who's been the, the community lead there for, for, for a time kind of in the podcasts, in the backgrounds, making sure that the, uh, the social media team doing what they can to drive engagement and kudos to her and Eric the sweet little prince baby boy who jumped up on the uh, the table during the podcast and actually said hi to the camera I actually really like that but you know me I like cats uh the next thing that I wanted to touch on are some of the bigger things that have been going on with this podcast. Um, looking at my notes, it's clear that they are priming themselves for a six-week interval with each of the podcasts. And I don't know what the uh, different, how this is going to continue on, if this is going to be the the regular cadence. Um, at the very end of the podcast, uh, John McFarlane, or aka at Internal Air on Twitter, uh, did say that this was going to be the podcast for the month or the next six weeks. So expect that kind of cadence with this podcast. Not, sorry, with their podcast, not my podcast. That should be clear. Um, right off the bat, they they talked to Andy and Shelly Preston, who are two of the game designers at Rare. If you don't know who they are, they're a wonderful couple. They actually met at Rare. Uh, back when they were playing uh, the game and working on it in its very infancy, uh, back when the game was still in testing, she actually started as a QA tester. I actually don't know where uh, Andy came in at the the company, but they're an awesome couple. Um, one of the few actual couples at the studio. I know there's a couple more uh, like Big Sheep and his wife um, or James, who who notoriously mentioned fire before it was actually announced um but andy and shelly are great i absolutely love some of the implementations that they've brought to the game i.e the uh, health pool that is uh when you eat cooked meat that was actually shelly's idea uh andy i think worked on harpoons if i recall correctly um a lot of good things have come from this couple as far as game design goes and they wanted to express that they've uh, been working on some major features that are going to be coming to the game and that they're working on finishing those up and getting those tested. And if you've been on Insiders, you kind of have an idea of what they're talking about. But because of NDAs and the, the possibility of changes, I don't want to dive into that, obviously, for uh, for anyone that doesn't want to get spoiled for that kind of content. Rest assured, when it does come out, I will probably be very excited for it. Um, in this podcast, it was kind of talked about how they really just wanted to tackle PvE versus PvP. Um, this is something that has plagued the community for probably the, the actual release of the game. Since the release of the game, people have asked for the game to have a PvE servers and a PvP focus. Um, back before we had the Reaper's Bones, people wanted to have tracking for ships that they sank and players that they killed. And Rare didn't do that for the for a very long time because they didn't want to incentivize fighting uh, in the sense that they didn't want that to be the main reason why people went out and sailed. They've changed their mind on that and they've actually given us the Reaper's Bones, which in a way is a targeted sense of, uh, of, of PvP. 
the goal of the emissaries is is to give you bonuses the goal of the reapers is to attack emissaries but that doesn't necessarily exclude reapers from fighting anyone uh you really just earn the most amount when you go after emissary ships because of the flags so they've tried to tie it in with a system that allows players to focus on that and hopefully give players who aren't trying to be a target uh the opportunity to not necessarily make as much money but still be uh, hidden away from reapers who are hunting down emissary flags with the pve aspect uh if you've listened to this podcast you know i don't care about alliance servers they don't impact me they don't impact my experience and they don't really change anything based on what i do in the game i play in adventure mode i've never played on an alliance server i've played on enough servers where i've had a majority of ships but i've never jumped on an alliance server for the sake of getting gold or commendations things like that if i have played with multiple crews it's either something that was set up personally with my community and we've only ever had like maybe three or four ships at most but there's always been a sense of a threat available now, whether or not people actually wanted to come fight for ships was up to them. Uh, we have sometimes where people do want to come pick a fight, and that usually doesn't work out so well for them. But I've never really tried to make an alliance server. I wanted to make that clear right off the bat because I feel like I tend to tend to try and show things from the perspective of people who use PVE servers or use uh, alliance servers as a way to have a game that doesn't ruin the experience for them because they are not comfortable with pvp and i mean that in the very general sense not that they don't like fighting other pirates uh, or using cannons or they're not good shooting or they're not good dealing with a sword but there is a group of players who suffer from things like anxiety or disabilities and for those pirates I always want there to be an opportunity for them to enjoy the game. That's a tough thing to do when you have a game that has PvE and PvP, especially when there's a disparity between PC and Xbox. PC will always seem to have a slight edge based on the interface that they use. You know, the peripherals that they're using, mouse and keyboard, tend to react and move and have more accuracy than controllers and because we're spanning different generations of uh, consoles people playing on an xbox one are going to have a vastly different experience compared to people playing on pc or even just an xbox series s or x so because of that i always feel like i want to have there be an exclusive means for players to enjoy the game without as much fear of that disparity in pvp in the very general sense of the term Hit registration and PC things aside, I know that there are people that deal with anxiety but still enjoy playing video games and try to use things like Sea of Thieves as a fun, casual environment for them to spend time with their friends. Um, a lot of them have medication for this. Uh, I know my wife takes medication for things like for, for anxiety in general, so I understand how crippling that kind of thing can be. So for me, it tends to get kind of personal in that sense. But I've never played on an Alliance server because I've always felt that the way I want to play is the base experience. I enjoyed the base experience when I first started playing the game back in 2018. I enjoy seeing that every ship on the horizon is a player ship and not knowing what's going on. And depending on whether or not I'm with a crew or whether or not I'm slow, solo on a sloop vastly changes 
how I approach the game. And I appreciate having those options in there. So that's something that I don't want removed. But necessarily looking at Alliance servers, that's not something that I think removing will actually fix what I want. So with this episode, uh, Mike and Joe uh, made it very plainly clear that the design intent of Sea of Thieves was to always have a potential threat for pirates on the seas and that Alliance servers do in fact remove a big part of the game by not having that threat available. That is something that I agree with, um, but I understand the reasons why people might want to have that. And I tend to bend more towards the people that want to have that because of the reasons I mentioned earlier than people who are doing it just for gold or just for commendations. But at the same time, the way that those people earn gold and commendations doesn't impact me personally. Now, I know that's a very different thing for a lot of people, and I respect those people's decisions for or those people's opinions because I know that those people's opinions, they they want to play the game their way. Um, and Caleb and I tend to really talk about this a lot. We tend to have uh, uh, interesting thoughts and in, in, in discussions about this off air. So I'm looking forward to a chance where he and I can sit down to actually record again and talk about this. But with this, it was nice to know that Rare is okay speaking very very plainly about how they feel the game is intended to be played. They want players to have the potential of coming across another crew. And the one thing that I noticed about this podcast was that at the heart of the game, they want interaction between other players because of the emergent adventures that come as a result. Now, when they say that, they aren't strictly saying, I want to make sure that every ship that sees another ship goes and fights because that's not their intent. Their intent is that there is a mystery about that other ship. You don't know what's going to happen with them. They could be friendly. They could be hostile. And it's up to you and them to find that out. Now, most times in the game, it will be PvP. There will be a fight. There will be treasure handed over, whether or not that's desirable or not. But sometimes you do run into the instance where you can actually meet, meet, or no, meet and make friends when actually doing events. And sometimes those are the best stories. I do have some really fun stories about some of the weird things that I've seen on the seas, but I will just kind of say that when I'm seeing other ships out on the sea, uh, most of the time I'm gauging whether or not I can handle myself against them. Because the, the initial thought is, do I have anything that's such value that I need to get rid of before I deal with them? Or do I think that they have something on there that I may actually want in the first place? It's only until I actually get to a ship, if I start to hear them using the microphone and they are being communicative with me, then I start to question whether or not I need to sink them or I need to run away from them. And generally, the people that are more carefree or friendly or just funny in general, they're generally the people that I'm going to want to spend time with and actually get to know as opposed to just sinking in silence. Because I think most people, when they come across another ship in Sea of Thieves, they sink them in silence. Sometimes people will actually talk to each other. Sometimes they'll type to each other. But most of the time, people are in party chat or they're in Discord and they're sinking in silence. And that's kind of a shame because there's something magical about being able to hear what the other crew is saying when they're close enough. Being able to hear what your crew is saying to you in the game and knowing that it is there's a time and place to be quiet. If someone's trying to board a ship, you're going to be quiet. 
And if you're using in-game voice and you try and talk to your teammates, they're going to hear you if you're close to the ship. And that actually changes the nature of a fight and can really decide, like, if a person is on a cannon, they're saying, oh, well, I'm aiming at them. And I know that I'm going to stay quiet as I climb their ladder because I don't want them to know I'm coming. And I'm going to kill them on the cannon before they even realize it, thanks to the first person perspective. So there's so many different ways that I love to come across Sea of Thieves and decide how am I going to play? But one thing is very clear as a result of this podcast, and it is that the devs believe that the PvPVE nature of the game should remain intact throughout. And I leave it to them to decide when that won't be the, the case in the future. Ahoy there, Pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any two VIP books or use the affiliate link for Green Man Gaming. If you're a PC gamer, you'd like to save money on games. It's one of the benefit of being a PC gamer. Head over to Green Man Gaming. You can get codes for Steam, Epic, any of the different stores that they have deals going on. They have deals going on all the time. And if you plan on buying there, please consider using our affiliate link. All of that goes straight to me through the network. Thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast. It means the world to me and i continue to try and improve the quality and the content for you with that pirates let's get back to the show all right so i felt like i got a bit on a bit of a tangent there so i want to try and go back to my notes so i don't just wander off into oblivion with this kind of thought process um some of the things i wrote down was that uh when it comes to the the content they never want to take away any content in the game which if you've been playing the game as long as i have you should know they don't take things like skeleton thrones out of the game that's gonna stay forever and i think it kind of ties into the commendations which i also think is something that should really be focused more on and have rewards tied to commendations as opposed to uh kind of doing other things as far as like um events i actually like it when the commendations are impactful in this sense uh one of the interesting things that i that we found out in this is something that i know most of us knew that for a time uh originally the seas had six ships on the server uh they did go down to five because they were trying to improve the stability of the servers um, thank you, Azure servers, however, however much impact that actually has for it. The interesting thing here was is that each each ship was to have 12 square miles around it, plus an outpost to be able to adventure in. And that if this is still accurate, the general time for uh, coming across another ship should be sometime between 20 and 30 minutes, which I actually really like. Uh, they still consider the Devil's Roar hard mode, which is why they never have anyone spawn out there because they don't want a new ship to spawn out in the roar, get completely obliterated, and then hate the game as a result. Uh, Joni did bring this up. And I actually think that this was a really interesting discussion about uh, spawn loops on ships that you're trying to sink. This is actually kind of the actual controversy that I wanted to get into. Um, I think now is as good a time as any to dive into it. But the 
general idea right now is is that if you've been paying attention, the Sea of Thieves server, uh, the the website has been down for a while. It's been sporadic as far as whether or not it's accessible. I know last week I actually had a fair amount of trouble getting the patch notes from the website just due to the nature of how uh, much traffic was getting pushed to it. And a lot of the uh, discussion around this seems to stem from this idea that there was a group of people who were banned for spawn camping. And I don't know if this was just spawn camping. I don't know if they were harassing the people. I imagine they probably were. But at some point, some group of people were doing something that caused them to get banned. And as a result, they started to DDoS. Uh, the Sea of Thieves website, which caused too many queries for the website and would then shut down because of the overload on that, if I'm understanding DDoS correctly. The question that came to mind uh, during this podcast had to do with Joe being very on top with his job. He was doing a really nice job of, of being at the, the heart of the main problems that are going on with the game right now. And obviously with the CFE's website, that brings a lot of attention to the issue. We need to figure out, and, and, and by me, I mean rare, uh, or, or we, I mean rare, uh, needs to figure out how to fix spawn locations and spawning and sinking ships. Uh, the, the loop that it requires to sink a ship is not functioning in a way that is beneficial to the experience for players. When you die on your ship, especially if it's a sloop, there's a small amount of area that you can uh, spawn in on. And generally, if the players are good, it is almost impossible to regain your ship at that point. So you're stuck in this loop of being sent to the ferry, coming back, being sent to the ferry again until your ship sinks, which can be extremely infuriating if the players that are sinking your ship either don't have many holes to sink the ship on and don't have a good way to put more holes in the ship or they're trying to take your treasure or your supplies and the question comes in is this something that is causing strife within the community to the point where it is becoming toxic and that's that's where the question is is why did this website get ddosed to the point where it shut down because these players were banned for potentially something that most people would consider fair play in the game now again i'm just going to state it i don't know what happened i'm just reporting on the information that i've been able to find based on this I haven't spoken to anyone about what's actually been happening. I haven't talked to any of the devs as far as like what their response is. I even asked the the dev team on Twitter for a PR response and never got one uh, based on what is considered legal with spawn camping. So as of right now, as far as I can tell, if you want to sink a ship, sink the ship. If you bail the ship and steal their supplies, I would be very hesitant to use any kind of in-game comms that might cause that person who is coming back to report you for harassment because all it takes is one person uh, hitting at the right time and the chances of you losing your account could be in jeopardy and I don't want that for people. Sorry, I'm playing around with my little my little controller clip that I used to uh, to play on xCloud when I'm when I'm at work not while I'm working just when I'm on break so Joe talks about how they hear uh and do need to discuss the different types of play like PVE servers and that they need to work on the respawn loop for fighting on a ship because it's not it's not making anyone feel good about the game um they said that splitting servers doesn't make sense for Sea of Thieves uh, as far as like PVE and PVP uh there's no plans to make pirate servers for PVE 
Um, oh, private servers. Um, so this was an interesting discussion as well, too. Joe talked about how at the moment they don't have solid plans for private servers. They have custom servers that are being used by partners and uh, trusted part people in the community, not me, uh, but other people who are looking to do events in Sea of Thieves that want an easier time setting up these servers. Uh, things like the Race of Legends comes to mind. Um, that is a, a group of people who Doug has gotten together and trusts to spin up a server to create the ships and get the supplies that they need for their events. And that is a very specific use case for these custom servers. How that gets implemented in the future will not likely be something that will facilitate Alliance servers, which I've had long discussions with uh, with other people as well, too. And, and if that could be a fix for Alliance servers, I, I don't know that it is. I, I think that the ideas that I have still have flaws in them. So it's something that I think the team is acutely aware of and are trying to make sure that the way that custom servers are implemented is done right. Um, they do appreciate all players enjoying the aspect of the game. Mike actually talked about how the reason why they're they're so happy with uh, the fact that this is kind of a discussion is because players who want PvE find the world so rich uh, and that it's rich enough for them to enjoy even without that player versus player aspect, which I can definitely appreciate. The game is beautiful. There's a lot of fun stuff to do in it. And if you don't fight anyone, you can still have a lot of fun. So I understand where they're coming from. I think the trouble comes in is when they specifically try to farm gold and commendations because uh, it doesn't feel like a natural gameplay loop to me. It feels like them grinding the game in a way that falls in line with like destiny and loot caves, uh, just killing mobs for the sake of getting spawn uh, or getting engrams and, and getting reputation for their season pass. It sounds boring. It sounds like a real pain. I don't like the idea of doing that. It would bore me to tears. The big thing that I think I wanted to touch on and make sure that I don't forget when it comes to this discussion is probably for the first time a tangible excuse why Alliance servers are hurting adventure servers. Now, I'm going to step aside here for a moment and talk directly to the Keelhaul Discord members. I understand that you guys have value in your cosmetics, and that's fine, but it does not impede uh, the actual game if you have cosmetics or don't have cosmetics. And in the same way that Alliance servers get gold and commendations to get cosmetics faster, does impact your value and i and i respect that but it doesn't actually hurt the game it just hurts the value of the game to you what does actually hurt the value of the game is alliance servers earning gold and reputation and doing this through the ledger system uh the ledger system for those that are the uninitiated is if you play in Sea of Thieves with emissaries, you gain value, uh, ledger value, and those ledger values have rewards tied to them. Those rewards are based on the tier that you earn uh, in your value. So if you have the top 25% of ledger value, then you get the best cosmetics, and then it goes down to the top 50% and then the top 75%, and then the bottom 25% don't earn anything. So there's a real impact on the community if Alliance surfers get big enough to the point where they overcome the 25% of people that usually land in that top 25% of the ledger each season. And if that's the case, then they are hindering the ability for players who do have to deal with the threat of players 
versus player on servers in the normal adventure mode. And to me, that is not okay. I don't like the idea of Alliance servers knocking people out of the ledger because they don't have the threat of other players and they can sit around and farm gold and ledger emissary value all day long for as long as they want. That's not fair. That's cheating. So I do want to state that if Alliance servers get to the point like they said in the podcast, that they are causing issues with the ledger system, then I definitely want Rare to do something about that. I don't know what they do, but I do want them to do something about that because it's not fair to those who do put in the time and the effort and have to fight on adventure mode uh, with other pirates to get the emissary value that they have. Now, I will say that there is a caveat to this, that the that the Alliance servers probably aren't getting too high of a, a value in Reaper's bones, I would imagine, because I imagine that if you're fighting on regular servers, the flags would probably be, be, be a better value. But without testing that, that's really hard to judge. So I want to fall back on my 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 base standard that I would say that it's just easier in general for them to earn emissary ledger position in Alliance servers compared to standard servers. And if that's the case, I don't think that's fair. That is not a fair way to go about getting a ledger position. If I have to fight hard to get my emissary ledger position, but then next season I can go into an Alliance server and get in the top 25% in a week and never have to touch it again for the rest of the season because I spent two eight-hour days grinding a ledger ledger sir or a ledger's value on an alliance server that's not fair to the people that have to spend two months or three months or however long the the process is fighting tooth and nail losing treasure gaining treasure with other players to try and get that emissary value up so in sh- if, if i had to summarize this real quick obviously i've been talking a lot about this so thank you for listening i think that it's great to hear that rare is keenly aware on just how big these Alliance server populations are, and that if it gets out of hand, they are willing to bring the hammer down. And I'm I'm 100% okay with that, because the people that I want to have PvE servers are not the people that are in these Alliance servers grinding out golden commendations and ledger position. I can almost guarantee you that. The people that I want to have free access to the game in a form that allows them to just explore and have fun are the people that are either probably too young to actually play the game legally because the game is peggy 13 or or teen and I, i want kids to be able to have fun in this game because i think the game's great for that i think the game's safe enough for that but i also want people with uh disabilities or disorders who don't feel comfortable on regular servers to first off reach out to our community reach out to uh, other players, try and get a crew together so that you have that support structure built in. Because first off, that's going to make you a better gamer. If you have people that you can rely on that can help you out in the game. And that's that's easy to do. There's plenty of discords out there. There's plenty of affiliate discords out there. There's plenty of community discords from streamers as well as uh, other content creators who have people that are looking for people to play with. I had to decline sailing today with uh, people today because I wanted to make sure I got the podcast done. I would have loved to just sit around and go sailing today. Unfortunately, I wanted to make sure that I got this conversation recorded for you guys for something on Monday because it's it's a good topic to dive into. So for the first time since this game has come out, I've heard a legitimate to me not to, and, and that's the thing, I don't want to say whatever people think is illegitimate. This is just my own opinion. But for me, I finally seen a reason why I think Alliance servers don't have a place in the community based on the ledger system. Um, 
cosmetics be damned for me. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily hold the same value that cosmetics do for other people. For me, it's the ledger system. And if the ledger system is something that gets impacted by this, this group too much, then yeah, I totally want it gone because it's not fair. And I don't want, I don't want to have to try and explain to someone why it's so hard for us to get their, their cosmetics that they value because there are other, there are other servers out there that are free of any strife that are just getting this easy mode in that instance. So this is probably the first time I've ever had a big change in my, in my perspective in this. And as a result, it will probably impact how I view the rest of the game. I will probably look forward to seeing other crews and seeing like, are they an emissary? Do I really need to fight them? Are they looking to get a ledger system? Can I leave them alone? Do I absolutely need the Reaper's rep right now or the Reaper's ledger position? Or maybe I should go switch over and see what their, what their emissary is and maybe work with them in this instance. If it's a gold hoarder, I love gold hoarder. I'll go do gold hoarder stuff for a while. I don't necessarily have to be a Reaper and go sink them. Is it fun to go sink people? Heck yeah. Do I need to do it every night? No, I don't. But these are kind of my thoughts based on the uh, the episode. Um, there's a lot of really good ideas that actually came from this. But let me take a break and uh, and think about what I wanted to share with you after that. All right, Pirates, I had a moment to uh, step away, gather my thoughts, take a look at what I wanted. And um, I wanted to touch on some of the questions that they got in from the podcast. So I've got my notes I'm reading from. Uh, and one of the questions that actually came in that was kind of interesting was, uh, are Duke and Umbra a thing? And Mike actually responded to this and said that Duke and Umbra used to be friends. And I think a lot of this is kind of tying to Duke running around looking uh, for all these relics and, and us finding out what these ruins mean and trying to find out uh, or understand what's been going on with him it's going to become clear soon from what i've been told hopefully sooner rather than later means next update or next season we won't know until it actually happens but it's it's clear that duke is doing stuff that uh, it, it's hard to know is it going to be for the betterment of sea of thieves or is he just going to get us into more trouble with flameheart or maybe even someone worse we don't know at this point but umbra has always been pretty level-headed uh she was kidnapped and uh sat around with uh a, a blind bob for a while and then made her way back to the sea thieves and since then she's just been keeping track of legends and their their easter eggs in the game she doesn't really have a whole lot of story outside of that but it doesn't come across as someone who's easy to upset she seems pretty just chill in the world so the fact that they aren't friends anymore speaks that speaks more highly of her and less of duke to me which again just kind of goes back to my feelings on duke being a dark lord that I still don't know what he's doing, and I don't know if it's a positive thing or a negative thing, but I genuinely think that regardless of whatever it, his intentions are, it will probably end up bad for us. We still don't know why we're killing mermaid statues. So it was an interesting question. I, I can't wait to find out more about what's going on with Duke. Uh, I think Rare has done a great job of leading these little Easter eggs in the game, or not Easter eggs, but um, these little hints on what's going on in the game and letting the community try and work it out uh, for, for ourselves. The other thing that was kind of interesting was they went through and talked about some of the things that didn't make it to the game that were in the original Unity prototype. One of these was actually a captain's cabin. Now, if, if you listen to some of the past episodes, you know I've even talked about it with Caleb 
I have the idea about using the brig as a place to actually store loot. Uh, you'd really have to incentivize it, obviously, for people to want to use it. Most people just usually put their treasure up on the top deck. So it doesn't really seem like it would add much, much functionality. Um, but I, I still love the idea that the captain's key was still something that could be in someone's possession. And I'm curious if that's something that would ever be brought to the game in the future. Uh, other things like the harpoon made it in, but they did have a plan to actually use the harpoon as a way to anchor to another ship and then be able to cross that that line from the anchor from your ship to another ship or to another uh, part of the, the game as far as like uh, there being an island that you harpoon up to. And then when you're done being up on the actual island, you can use the harpoon line to slide down in a really cool fashion. Uh, things I think would be great. I don't know how well they would work in practice just based on how our game is, but I mean, there's definitely places where you can climb up on things that you don't think should be able to sustain a pirate's weight, but do. Um, there's the other thing that I wanted to bring up, and I think I'll kind of end up uh, end the episode on this so that it's fresh in your guys' mind. Uh, there was a conversation that came up because apparently this is something that, that Joe brings up quite frequently, which is hail. And I don't mean like hail there, uh, more like hail, the, the giant balls of ice that fall from the sky during a storm. And I, I tried, I tried so hard to find a, a, a Bill Nye video for this. I really, really wanted to have Bill Nye explaining what hail is. Uh, unfortunately, I watched a lot of really bad quality YouTube videos of Bill Nye episodes and couldn't find anything solid on that. So if you happen to know if Bill Nye ever, and if you don't know Bill Nye the science guy, what did you do growing up? Or did you just grow up after the year 2000? Which is fine too. I suppose that's fine. You're like 20 years old now, so that's fine. Or you're probably 21 at this point. If you're 21 this year and you just you just became legally able to drink in the United States, I want to know because holy cow, that is that is so young. I remember being so young <laughs> when I was doing when I was that age. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Bill Nye doesn't have a video out explaining hail. I would love to know if you all think hail should be in the game i know a lot of you hate the storm but really the the, the storm is great you you're it, it's such a good threat in the game it's a passive threat but if you get caught in it it's it's a real pain but you can use it to your advantage as well too I, so many times i've juked ships in in the storm and just out survive them uh and, and manage to get away with treasure using the storm it's such a good tool oh i love it but i would love to see what hail looks like in the game like could hail do ship damage uh I, I think even caleb had the idea of like we have the kraken why doesn't the kraken tentacle go and actually break our masts on ships now i know what you're thinking please don't make the kraken any more annoying than it already is but i i do think that having things like hail having things like the kraken breaking masts with the tentacles could be cool things in the game so if you're listening to this if you have time and it's not a big ask this is this is pretty simple I just want you to head over to Twitter and at Joe Neat one. That's his that's his, his Twitter handle at J-O-E-N-E-A-T-E one, the actual number one at Joe and just do hashtag is neat. N-E-A-T-E, -E, his last name. And just do 
Hey Joe, would love to see Hale. Hashtag Hale is neat. And and see if he gets get see if you get some responses. Maybe he's wondering why the heck he's getting tweeted this. If anything, I think that would be the, the, the most funny thing is I would just love for the fact that he's getting tweeted by people. Hale is neat. Just to see what he says. So uh let me know if, if you guys like it. If you don't like it, I would love to hear your thoughts on some some threats in the world that we could be getting uh to the game that maybe like a storm uh you know whirlpools come to mind think of stuff like that give me some ideas for next episode because I'd, I'd love to bring those up on the next episode and see what kind of cool ideas you come up with um and pirates i think with that that's going to do it for this episode i just wanted to cover some of the information that we got kind of parse it out for you um the 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 episodes out there if you want to check it out on podcast uh podcatchers just like this one or over on youtube as well too so um pirates i think that's going to do it uh let me take a quick break i'll check and see if there's any reviews or any things like that come to find out apparently uh ratings and reviews don't really really impact the way that they uh they do on apple podcasts so those of you on spotify don't worry don't even need it. But if people are reading the podcast reviews, then maybe they'll get a better sense of uh, the podcast and, and not necessarily how the analytics work for the podcast. So kind of a nice revelation. I don't have to sit there and feel bad about having people try and create an iTunes account so that they can uh, they can actually, um, you know, make the gate or make the, the podcast more visible. That's not a thing. But I do like the reviews regardless, because it's nice to hear what you guys think about the game or the podcast or both. It doesn't matter. Do what you want. <laughs> Empire, so I think that's going to do it. So, all right, pirates. So, it doesn't look like I have any new emails, no new reviews, no new uh ads or anything like that. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Um, this was a really interesting moment for me just to kind of have that revelation of how I feel about Alliance servers compared to how I've always kind of felt about Alliance servers where I don't really care if they exist, but I guess now I do. I guess now it is kind of an issue for me if they really start to kind of take over the ledger spots. So if you want to get a hold of me, there's plenty of ways to do it. Just let me know at Twitter, uh, at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N. You can always send me an email, C-A-P-T L-O-G-U-N at gmail.com. You can always send uh, send a message to me on Discord. The Discord link is always in the show notes. And if there's anything else I can do for you, feel free to let me know. I will always try to help out, answer any questions that you have. And pirates, with that, thank you, and I love you, and I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves. My name is Jameson, or Big Cat. And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose. And together, we are the hosts of the DL Weekly Gaming News. Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed. Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming. And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gaming-related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download. And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim Jims. So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation. Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose. 
Hey. Hi. Do you enjoy being optimistic about bad movies? Or do you enjoy at least trying to figure out where someone worked really hard on a bad movie? Well, we've got the podcast for you. New to Robots Radio, we represent Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. Each week, we look at two movies that did really badly critically, but we try to find the good in them. And we have segments such as What Could Have Saved It? and Would You Watch It Again? If you're there on a Saturday night, you want to watch a bad movie, but you're not sure if it's like good bad or bad bad, or if you should even bother, give us a listen. You can find us on Robots Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please come and say hi. We love you already. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.